Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. This episode is brought to you by Accenture. A better you starts with better hydration. Accenture is on a mission to inspire people to do what matters most. Their proprietary ionization process transforms water from any source into ionized alkaline water, providing water that's 99.9% pure with a pH of 9.5 or higher. Accenture overachieving H2O, the number one ionized alkaline water. Shop now. If you're thinking, I should go for a run today, but it looks like it could rain, Sierra says save on epic rain jackets. If you're also thinking, but I can't go out in these beat-up old running shoes, Sierra says save on top brand running shoes. And if you're still thinking, but I'm also busy performing brain surgery, well, then we say, you really should have led with that. Sierra, let's get moving to your local store, like now. Go! This episode is brought to you by Dove. You use all the right skincare products for your face, but your body has been missing out. With new Dove Serum Body Wash, you can give your body the vitamin C glow it's been wanting, the hydration boost it's been craving, and the active skincare ingredients it deserves. It's time for your body care era. New Dove Serum Body Wash. Get Dove or get FOMO. Hello and welcome to this week's edition of the Olive Magazine podcast. My name is Laura Rowe. I'm the editor of the magazine and I have post-Ibiza Lurgy. As you may recall, last week I was on my holidays, my lollipops all the way in Ibiza, testing out some incredible seafood, doing a little bit of sunbathing and a lot of raving, hence the huskiness again. So I do apologise. On that note as well, if you want any top tips on where to eat in Ibiza, if you are following suit, then do head to olivemagazine.com. But carry on listening to this podcast because we have some other travel advice for you a little bit closer to home we have Rhiannon our travel editor and Alex talking about why the Yorkshire food scene is just so good right now in a slightly more serious vein we do have some travel advice if you are planning on going abroad this year and have been slightly shaken by all of the awful terrifying tragedies that have been happening around the world over the last couple of weeks there are some simple steps you can take to make sure that you're being as safe as possible when you book your holiday or when you go on your holiday um rhiannon's got all of the information you need we are also getting into the nitty-gritty of burgers we are talking architecture we are talking dimples we are talking powders everything you need to know about burgers for your barbecue this summer particularly in this hot hot weather we've had this week And we have a little guide to making your own limoncello and all of the amazing things that you can do with it too. So carry on listening and make sure you tweet us or Facebook us if you've got any questions about anything we've been talking about today and we'll be happy to answer them. First up, we have Sarah, our drinks writer, and Anna, our cookery writer, on the wonders of limoncello. Hey, hi. So I'm Sarah. I'm the drinks writer at Olive and I'm here with Anna, who is our cookery writer. Hello. And we're talking today about limoncello. Um, We've had some amazing weather this week and it's kind of the perfect summery holiday vibes to have something that reminds you of holiday. Um, 
So, you know, everyone's tried limoncello before. You go to Italy, they always serve it at the end of a meal as a kind of digestif. Um, ice cold from the freezer with a chilled glass as well. And everyone kind of makes their own version and you kind of fall in love with it when you go on holiday, or I certainly do. Um, do they usually serve it neat? Yes. On holiday? Yeah, always neat. It's kind of the traditional Italian way. We're actually one of the few countries that mixes drinks all the time. You go yeah. to, you know, to the continent or to the States or to the Caribbean and they tend to drink their spirits neat. Yeah. So I don't know, we're just not as hardcore as them. <laughs> um, but yeah, and then I find, you know, I always pick up a little bottle at the airport and think, oh, this is going to be amazing. I can go home and I can drink it in the garden and it's going to be just like I'm on holiday. And it is just never the same. So in the August issue, we've got a recipe to make your own limoncello. And it is really easy to make. Actually, you know, it just takes a bit of patience, but all you need is some good vodka, good quality vodka. Don't buy the cheap stuff because it, it does make a difference. You can taste it. You can definitely result. taste it. I right, think if okay. you, I think if you wouldn't drink it anyway, you don't drink use it. it. Neat. Yeah, okay. don't use it to make limoncello. Really good quality lemons, unwaxed lemons, and the key really is to make sure that you don't get any of the white pith, right? Because that's what makes it bitter. And you just want the lovely zesty oils and all the flavour from the skin without the bitterness. So how long do, does it take to sort of uh, infuse? So yeah, basically you just take your bottle of vodka, put it into a larger bottle or vessel, whatever you've got handy that will fit it all in. Shove all the lemons in it and then kind of leave it. And you shake the bottle once a day, or kind of every time you walk past it, give it a bit of a shake for about a couple of weeks. Right. Um, and then that will give it time to all infuse. And then you put the sugar in. Or you can put the sugar in at the start, put a little bit in. Don't put everything in in one go because you want to then taste it afterwards once it's infused to see how much sugar you need. You don't want to end up with something that's super sweet or really bitter. Sure, yeah. And then have to try and rectify it. Um, and then, yeah, you add the kind of sugar syrup to the end just to make it a bit more palatable. And then you're ready to go. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I like to add a little bit of thyme to mine as well. Oh, okay. I think it just gives it a nice little twist. Um, you can use other herbs. You could use rosemary or... That would be really nice. Yeah, or kind of whatever you you want to use, I guess. A bit of a savoury twist yeah. to it. Yeah, That'd it just gives lovely. it a bit more depth and makes it a bit more special. So have you seen it being used in a lot of cocktails then recently? Some places do. Yeah. And if you ask for it, then they're going to be more than happy. You know, Italian restaurants are going to, you know, serve it with Prosecco or whatever you might want to do as a kind of a spritz or as a longer drink. So I've used it um, as a limoncello and thyme Collins in the mag. So use a bit of limoncello, some gin, top it up with soda, and it's just a really nice, refreshing, summery drink. I also think it's a really nice thing to take to a barbecue rather than just yeah, that's an really average salad or... Or something. Um, you could take the limoncello, take one bottle to drink yeah. at the party, yeah. and then one for the for the host as well. Yeah, I mean it's great to cook with as well. It is. Yeah, we've got some great recipes using limoncello. Um, I've seen it actually um, in frosting for cupcakes. Oh, really? And, yeah, oh, that sounds, sounds amazing. Yeah, um, but we've got some great recipes on olivemagazine.com. Uh, we actually have a bit of a twist on a lem- lemon meringue pie. We've used limoncello to get this sort of, as you're saying, you know, the the zest, the mm-hmm. zestiness rather than the, the the sour of the yeah. of the juice. So using limoncello in the in the curd, and then it's oh, got the, the the like 
the sugary meringue that's sort of caramelized on top. That sounds um, good. Yeah, that's a really nice one. And we all, you can also use it in a syllabub um, or a granita, which is perfect for this mm. weather. It'd be really nice to um to, to have that as like a dessert yeah. or something at a party. Could you use it in like make a proper sorbet out of it or an ice cream or something? Yeah, that would be lovely. Yeah. yeah. Um or just might pour be it nice. over ice cream. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You could do like a so the curd from the limoncello meringue, you could use that and then sort of stir that into an ice cream and that would be like a really nice zesty yeah. sort of sweet dessert. That'd be really nice. Amazing. And we also have a lemon polenta cake and that's been doused in limoncello syrup. Ooh. So it's that an absolute, it's a, it's a grown-up version of a, of a lemon drizzle. I love a boozy dessert. Yeah, no, can't, can't go wrong. Can't go wrong. <laughs> um, and if you don't want to make your own, there are there is actually a couple of really good brands out there at the moment, um, particularly Pocacello, which is made, it's started by Pizza Pilgrims, and they've joined up with Chase, who are a British um, brand. They started making its potato vodka, and now they do... Um, One's made from cider apples and they do gins and they also now make this limoncello. So that is a great option if you want to experiment but you don't want to, you know, wait two weeks to do it. You know, start your own, put that yeah. in, the, in the cupboard. Do a compare and contrast. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> great, great, thank you. <laughs> now, we're big fans of the barbecue here at Olive. My family have been known to do many a breakfast on the barbecue but there is nothing more classic than cooking a burger of course and on our new issue the August issue we have a giant burger and so here we have Anna our cookie writer and Gregor our production editor chief sub and writer talking about what they think makes the ultimate burger. Okay, so for those of you who might not have seen it, on our new August issue, we have an almighty burger on the front cover. It's our Brazil Grill Burger, inspired by the region of Brazil, um, that Janine created for us. Anna, it's it's a beast, isn't it? It's absolutely huge, but it's totally <laughs> worth it. Yeah, it's really, it's got a lot of ingredients in there, hasn't it? Uh, yeah, it's probably about 25 there. Yeah, we, I think we said nine steps to patty heaven on yes. the front cover. Yeah. Um, because what? tell us what we've got in the burger. So we've got a creamy lime and avocado mayo. Um, that's topping some cumin spiced onion rings. And we've got sweet and sour pickled pink onions, peri-peri glazed bacon, chimichurri sa- uh, relish and emmental. And that's in between two patties. So there's a lot going on, yeah. but everything, all the flavours work together and it's sort of, there's a lot of spice in there, there's a lot of fragrance and like creamy mayo and crispy onion rings. You've got everything. Yeah, texture, sauce, flavour. Um, it, it is almighty, but it's very important the way that you construct the burger, isn't it? And this is something that we talk it about is. a lot in the office because we're obsessed with burgers. But talk to us about the architecture of a burger and kind of why all these things are important. Okay, so um, a lot of people put the salad on the top, yeah. which actually, when you're trying to hold the burger, it makes the patty slide out. Okay. And so, well, this is important. <laughs> Nobody wants that. Exactly. You can't hold it properly. Yeah. Um, and you don't want to be getting a knife and fork to the, no. to the burger either. So, yeah, there's a lot of... And then um, a lot of times well, you'll get the sort of the condiment. So in our case, the avocado mayo, you'll have it on both the top and the bottom. So it yeah. soaks into both sides of the bun. Yeah. So it's, you've got, when you bite into the burger, you've got sort of all the flavours encompassed in the in the <laughs> mayo and the bread. I'm, I'm getting awesome. excited. So much <laughs> yeah. Don't blame you. Yeah. Um, the other thing is cheese it has to be melted. Yeah. It has to be melted onto the burger, I think. Um, 
and no then yeah it, there's no yeah. there's you can't have sort of straight up cheese in yeah. in a burger it has to be melted um is there a special way to do that because without kind of burning one side or the other you know is there a special way to make the cheese melt a lot of a lot of sort of grill chefs they use the cloches so when you fry the burger you'll do it on both sides and then just just before the burger is cooked you'll sort of put the cheese on and then put a basically like a little metal hat over the burger (laughs) which keeps the heat in and it sort of cooks the top of the cheese as well so you don't end up with an overcooked burger but you've got really nice melted cheese so I suppose at home, if you're doing it on the barbecue, you could technically put like a metal bowl over the top, maybe, yeah. if you wanted the same effect. Yeah. You could just put the barbecue lid on. Yeah. Could, I mean, you could do that as well. <laughs> that would be much more sensible. Or put it under the grill, maybe. Yeah, just quickly yeah you can cheese. do that. In fact, um, if you're doing burgers for a lot of people, uh, we a really good technique is to fry them all off, put them onto a baking sheet, yeah. put all the cheese on so they're all cooked at the same time, and then just put them into a low oven just to melt the cheese, and oh, then yeah. all of the burgers are cooked um, at the same time as well so okay it wouldn't work with monstrous burgers necessarily the size of these beauties <laughs> but, but when, I, when i do it at home i do it in a, fr- in a frying pan and yeah I, I tend to make them quite quite thin and uh, so i can just put a lid on it because it's got yes. lid and it just melts yeah or yeah. even a baking baking sheet if you're yeah, doing just it, put it on the top yeah, yeah. One of the other things about the architecture of the burger, just as you were saying that, I was thinking about it, is that, that that's that's a good po- point about toasting the bun as well, yes, isn't it? Yeah. Because it prevents too much liquid soaking into yeah. to the, to the bottom and the Definitely. top. Definitely, and you've so got the another good reason for having the lettuce there as well is to prevent so much meat juice going down into the bottom that the bottom of the bun falls to bits. Yeah, mm. but you don't want your lettuce to go limp. You don't want your lettuce to go limp. That's why you must be swift. You must be swift. Eat fast. Always, always a good advice in the olive office. Um, so tell us about the basics of making a really good burger, Anna, because we were debating this earlier as well. We were. We? So we were debating uh, thin, thick patties, how many patties to go on a, on a bun. And then um, we'd, I think we were in agreement that we yeah. all sort of like more of them and a bit thinner so yeah. you can get more cheese. Yeah. And also we're sort of really like having... Um, I know a lot of restaurants now are doing sort of medium rare, yeah. rare burgers, but obviously you have to be so sure of where your meat comes from to be able to do that. Yeah. And so the thinner they are, the quicker they cook, the, the faster you can eat it. Yeah, because it doesn't mean tough, does it, if you cook all the way through? I know it's very no. trendy for everybody to serve them kind of rare or medium rare at the moment, but um, it's not going to cause you to have an unpleasant eating experience if you cook it all the way through. It's about safety here at yes. home, isn't it? Yeah, so. it's not. I mean, to be honest, I also think... Um, it, it holds together better, but um, with with a steak, the only bit that's you know that could be potentially contaminated. Talking about health and safety, yeah. is the bit that you're searing. So yeah. is the the inside of the the steak has never touched the outside world. So that's fine to serve, right? Exactly. But then when you're chopping it up, even if you're using your own steak um, or mincemeat or anything, it's it's all there's a large surface area, really. Yeah. So it's. Um, yeah, it's potential that there could be some contamination in the middle of the burger, so we would recommend cooking it all the way through. Yeah. Um, but also that means that your burger is easier to handle Yeah. and um, you can get more toppings on there. Great. So, what yeah. sorts of love. Yeah. So it's just making sure you cook it just the right point rather than, you know, blackening it on the barbecue so that oh, definitely. it dries out. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, any other good tips that we've got for burgers? 
We, what um, about the dimple? Yes, yes. Yeah. yeah, pressing a dimple down into the middle of a burger, because they always expand when you cook them, yeah. it makes them flat when, okay. they're, when they're finished, which is much, again, easier for... Sticking. Well, it's for sticking condiments on top yeah. without its little slope going off like it's a roof. Yeah, a vehicle yeah. for all the good bits. Yeah. And even cooking as well, which yeah. is which yeah. is a good point. Yeah, but I mean, I... I, I I actually do do prefer a, a sort of a thinner burger because although this burger was amazing, yeah. when I when I when I do them myself, I I like the simplicity. I, one thing that I don't I'm not really keen on on burgers is bacon. I think I'm not a bacon fan because it's it's it seems like one step too much, <laughs> it's one step too many rather. It, because you've all, if you've already got cheese, you've already got your burger, you've already got the salad, you've already yeah. got condiments on there. It, bacon seems like another taste that sort of overwhelms because the best thing, the thing about the new myth of burgers is the appreciation of the meat, yes. isn't it? And then yeah. we've moved to brioche buns instead of sort of yeah. sesame soft yeah. bun. And, uh, and it, re it really brings out the flavour, the fewer the things you put inside the burger. So if you, if you don't put forced meat like mm. bread or breadcrumbs yeah. in and then you don't then you don't need to add things to bind it together to the same extent Indeed. so you can put the more dry ingredients you put in the easier the, the more sort of purest it is and then, you, then all you're tasting is the bread the meat and and i just like a very very thin slice of of raw onion okay rather, yeah, rather yeah. and and uh, a bit of lettuce one slice of beef tomato and then uh, and some cheese classic yeah. You yeah. go mayo or tomato sauce. Well, I put mayo on the bottom, yeah, and then I put tomato sauce and it's, it's little spot of American mustard on the top. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, truly. Yeah. Although in our amazing burger on the front cover, we have got peri peri glazed bacon, which mm -hmm. is another that, level yeah. that's allowed. Yeah. 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 Oh, another one thing that I do is this is this is my favourite thing that I've started doing is when I'm cooking them, I uh, and when the when the meat juice has come out of the out, out of the burger, yeah, I, I then instead of toasting my bun, I put them oh. in I put them in the juice yeah. so that so that it's actually like fried. Greg knows and beef, what he's talking about. Fried and beef fat. That's bad. Like, that yeah. I mean, yeah, that sounds all right. See, I know we're talking about brioche buns, but I like a bit of a bun with a bit more like hold to it kind of something with sourdough or something in there so it's, it doesn't completely disintegrate when I'm holding it like yeah. a ciabatta type thing not not no, that not, chewy not that, I don't want to be chewy. working out when I'm eating it right okay you know I want to put on calories and not then it's like you've eaten nothing you're yeah. off calories <laughs> no I don't want that I want to feel like I've eaten a burger but Anna you were saying you like the squidge and the mess of, of yeah, really squidging it together yeah. yeah I love the sort of sweet and savoury combination of, in a burger so yeah. I'd go for brioche Brilliant. Any other top tips, guys, before we go on to the next thing? Well, if you could, I've I've started using instead of putting chopping onions and putting garlic, and I've started yeah. using must. Uh, sorry, I've started using garlic granules and and uh, an onion granules yeah. in it. Good top because tip. Then it, because the more liquid that you soak up, then you only need a little bit of oil. You don't need an egg. So also a bit of a mammy powder and and and, uh, yeah. and, and must and uh, mustard powder yeah. as well. And that's kind of the only flavouring of salt and white pepper as well. I want to go around your house for a barbecue. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds really good. Okay, thank you. So if you guys are tempted by this burger, which I don't know how you wouldn't be after that discussion, uh, the new issue of Olive, the August issue, is out on newsstands now, or you can download our digital app um, via iTunes. Or you can go to olivemagazine.com where we've got lots of different burger recipes, including this beauty, and we've also got vegan burgers, vegetarian burgers, and more classic burgers as well. So no excuses not to get the barbecue out tonight. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Thank Cheers. you. 
So we are moving on to something slightly more serious now. Now, I know we often focus on joy here at Olive, but there's obviously been some horrible, horrible things going on over the last couple of weeks, months. Um, We've had bombings, attempted coups and other attacks in Tunisia, Egypt, Turkey, Brussels, Orlando, Nice. It's, um, It's a scary time and even sort of less terrifying things, but still things that could impact our travel plans, such as the weak pound following Brexit um, and tour operators going bust, they are all going to potentially impact our our trips this year, Rhiannon. Um, So we thought it'd be useful for our listeners if you could give some sort of advice on on what to do. Should we forget travelling and just stay in the UK or have you got some tips for us? Yeah, sure. Um, I think the staycation is surely set for a renaissance this summer. It's a really challenging time for the industry and I feel so sorry for all those families in places like Turkey who are dependent on jobs at Mm. hotels and restaurants and guiding businesses, bike rental operations, and so on and so on. And it's the same gloomy outlook for the big players like Tui and Thomas Cook, whose shares have slumped in recent weeks. With the school holidays almost upon us, this is traditionally a time when the big travel companies can bank on selling last-minute holidays, but that's going to be a lot harder this year, even if consumers can expect big discounts, and also if some destinations like Spain, Greece and Portugal are seeing a slight pickup. Um... And also, of course, if the drawn-out Brexit negotiations um, carry on for a long time and there's this feeling of uncertainty about whether it's safe to travel, that's going to have an impact on the industry well into next year and beyond. Yeah, it's kind of terrifying um, what's going to happen. But if we've already booked somewhere um, and where we've booked is potentially volatile, are there any sort of um, things that we should do or should we just cancel and find somewhere else? Or have you got any ideas of, of what we should be doing? Well, the best thing to do really is contact the flight company or the tour operator that you book through. If you want to change your plans, you'll have to go with whatever their small print yeah. says. Though normally refunds are only possible if you book to travel to a destination which the government has since advised not travelling to. And at the moment... Flights and holidays to Turkey have resumed and France is open to travellers. Where would you check that? Well, you have to go to whichever, whoever you book. So if you booked a flight with British Airways, you would go to them. Uh, If you booked with Thomas Cook, you would go to them. They'll all have different, um, slightly different approaches, probably. Okay. Um, But in general, as the situation stands today, and it's obviously very fast moving at the moment, um, you need to really make sure that you keep yourself informed because everything is changing. But I would go ahead. You know, travel is such a life enhancing thing to do. And particularly if you've booked in advance, that anticipation of all those fascinating places to experience and for us at Olive, all that amazing food to eat (laughs) is something that gets us through the daily grind. Um, And then there's the fact, of course, that no, no wants to be a doom monger but nowhere is completely free of risk Uh, as we know these events can happen in the UK too I think the main thing is to assess the level of risk as best you can and make an informed decision as to whether you feel you want to take that risk or not Um, keep checking the foreign and commonwealth officers travel advice pages on the internet they're listed country by country and they're updated all the time Um, and do what you can while you're there to minimise any risk. In you know, in Turkey, you might, for instance, want to avoid tension spots like Istanbul and Ankara at the moment. Um, in France, you might want to stay away from big public gatherings. I think the government has cancelled lots of big yeah. public gatherings anyway. Um, 
but just be sensible, I think. Yeah, it's kind of and, common sense and then prevails. En- and enjoy, yeah. enjoy it. You yeah. know, the world is still a wonderful place. It really is. I think it would be a crime not to, after all of these horrible things have happened, not to cherish every moment that we've got exactly um so where are you going on holiday this year (laughs) well it's funny you should say that because I went to Turkey earlier this year and had a truly lovely family holiday and I'm planning to go to Brittany next month so Turkey and France are still on my itinerary Good. good that's good to hear Perfect. All right. Thank you very much, Rhiannon. That was super useful. Um, So if you've got any uh, more questions, you can always feel free to tweet us or email us and I'm sure Rhiannon will be able to help you. And if you want any inspiration on where to go, you can always look at olivemagazine.com where we've got lots of lovely travel and food related features too. All right. Thank you. And last but certainly not least, let's end on some joy. This week we are talking to Alex our editorial assistant and digital writer and Rhiannon's back our travel editor and they're talking about why if you are planning a staycation in the UK this year then Yorkshire is a pretty safe bet. So Alex we were talking earlier about staycations and how they're probably set for a revival this year and if anyone listening fancies a staycation but isn't sure where to go you and I would heartily recommend starting in Yorkshire. Yeah. (laughs) Um, We'll get on to your trip in a moment but I've just come back from Horto a pop-up restaurant at Rudding Park Hotel in Harrogate where I had what I have said publicly is the best meal of my year so far. Big claim. (laughs) Big claim. The head chef is Murray Wilson, fresh from Norse, another Harrogate restaurant we love here at Olive. And he's doing great things at Rudding Park. Most of them are based around the amazing kitchen garden they have there. I think they said there were over 100 different um, fruits, edible flowers, vegetables, you name it. Um, And that, of course, is why it's called Horto, uh, which is the Latin name for kitchen garden. That's a bit Ah. of a giveaway. Um, it's a funky little spot set above the hotel's golf clubhouse, which is all part of the fun. The unlikely setting is part of the magic, I think, um, though you do slightly wonder where you're going when you first <laughs> arrive. Um, but they've decorated it beautifully upstairs. It doesn't feel like a golf clubhouse. Um, and Wilson and his team serve a seven-course tasting menu that really lets those just-picked ingredients shine. I won't list them all here, but the standout dish for me was a Whitby crab served with um, a Whitby crab dish served with broad beans, a pea sorbet, buttermilk and horseradish granita with pea water and really gorgeous little chai flowers. And the pea sorbet was absolutely the star of the show. It was it's such a simple thing, but it was such an intense hit of fresh from the garden flavour. Um, and I thought, you know, you don't always need overly complicated no. things. You just, especially Local in the countries. summer, that was for me the taste of the of the summer. Um, but you were saying because you have been to Rydale, yes, um, yeah. which is obviously also in Yorkshire, and you were finding that same really. Um, you know, pe- people growing their own produce or getting it from local suppliers, and that was really having an impact there on what people are serving. Yeah, it really was. Um, so I went up to Rydell, and it's um, um, loads of little villages in the hills, and um, we were driving like through the country roads, like between all the villages. It was lovely. Is Rydell's kind of um, northeast of York? Yeah, it's um, if you drive from York towards like Easingwold and Thirsk um, and you go off the A19 and you just go off onto one of the roads and 
like wish yourself luck because um, <laughs> there is also, if just a note, if you are in a car or a, a small car or a caravan, you get, you might have to take a, a bit of a detour because I was in a very little car and we tried to get up Sutton Bank and it's about 25% gradient hill and we were literally like leaning forward. So that's just a tip for everybody just to make sure you don't go up the bank. Um, Harder after lunch, presumably. Yes, yes, we put on about... <laughs> five kilograms each um but yeah one of the the best place that we went which um I've heard I've heard a lot about it because I'm from um Yorkshire originally um but I've never had the chance to go um was the Black Swan at Old Sed, which is one of the these tiny little villages and it's so idyllic and um we pulled up and um we just snuck round the back into the kitchen garden um, before we went into the restaurant and they've got 2.5 acres of um, a kitchen garden allotment and um, everyone was mucking in. We didn't realise that um, the owner of the whole thing, um, Tom um, Tom Banks, he was he was just like pruning all of his like herbs and um, he was putting in an irrigation system and um, the head chef popped out. Um, we didn't realise he was the head chef. Um, he just popped out and was getting some tomatoes from the greenhouse and it's a really family-run thing. So um, the two sons run the kitchen and manage it and then um, then this, the husband and wife, mum and dad, they look after the, the farm and the gardens and um, they have their own beehives that were actually gifted to them by a customer. And they've got pet ducks. They've got Indian runner ducks that they have uh, for the eggs. And the grandchildren, are um, they have them as their pets. And there was four and one recently was killed by a fox, which is very The sad. ducks as pets, not the grandchildren. <laughs> no, yes, yes, <laughs> the ducks. <laughs> but then... Um, they also, so they all get involved. They don't have any gardeners. They don't employ anyone. Um, they All the chefs and the family look after the gardens and they have all sorts of things. We had this amazing tour and they have um, Minnesota midget melons, oyster leaves, which have you ever tried them? They taste like have. oysters, like they taste like the sea. They're amazing. And then these things called ochre, which are little red and yellow potatoes, but they've got sourness of lemons. So it's just really wow. interesting produce, all grown in Yorkshire. And um, that really is reflected in the menu. It's completely produce-led. So we started with um, cocktails, which uh, one of them was um, had rhubarb schnapps and meadow sweet. And we had little snacks, which were razor clams with broad beans and peas with pea flowers on the top. Um, and they also, they pick their courgettes um, just a week after they flower, so not a lot of chefs use the courgette flour, but they like to pick the courgettes just after so they're still small and really crisp. And they use that in a sea trout dish and that's garnished with yellow circular courgettes and also they prefer to use the cucumber flour. Um, and the highlight of the tasting menu there was a beetroot steak that had been on the grill since 8am roasting in beef fat, which was absolutely incredible. Um yeah, but what I loved about the trip in general um, in the Rydale area is that there were just so many places that were committed to growing their own produce and sourcing it locally. So we went to um, the Star Inn at Harem, which has its own kitchen garden as well. And we sat out in the sunshine with gin tonic made from Whitaker's gin, which is distilled in North Yorkshire Dales using local botanicals. And um, 
also the Willowgate Bistro in Pickering, which is a tiny little dining room run by husband and wife team, Matthew and Gemma. And they actually opened the restaurant two weeks after their baby boy was born, which is um, crazy, but just shows their commitment. (laughs) But um, they run their kitchen just as you would do at home. They buy their meat from the butchers next door but one every morning and also their fruit and veg from across the road. And um, also in Pickering is the White Swan, which is a coaching inn. And you can stay there and they have a restaurant and they use meat from the ginger pig. And um, I didn't know that it's very well known in in London and um, the South, the ginger pigs. They've got lots of delis, but the farm is actually just outside Pickering. And can and you visit it? You can. Uh, the White Swan, um, their guests, they can organise for you to go and visit. And you can go on the steam train as well. And it's just so idyllic. It's lovely. It sounds really, it sounds really great. Um, and you were also saying um, that I thought was really interesting that you had time to stop off in York mm-hmm. on your way back and that York was now rivaling Leeds yeah. with its food scene, which I... Um, I didn't realise there was so yeah, much going on there. it's brilliant. There's so many places that have opened up in the past few years. Um, I've uh, been a fan of Le Cochon Avergle for a long time, which is um, uh, this uh, Joshua Overington. He has come back from being in loads of Michelin-style restaurants and he's come back to his hometown. He's opened that. And then um, on Micklegate, Rattle Owl opened about six months ago and that's uh, um, got a lot of... Yorkshire produce uh, there and then only three weeks ago um Scosh opened which um is a brilliant it's a brilliant restaurant it's one of the best restaurants I've been to um for a while and um it's um the chef is half Indian so his menus are peppered with like, lots of Asian influences so he has ba- baked hake topped with finely sliced cauliflower with uh, like Egyptian ducker spice and it's on this umami packed miso cauliflower rice which is amazing we've got um cauliflower rice recipe online if anybody wants to try that because it's really have you ever had it it's a really nice no way I of... haven't it's on my must try list I yeah. keep reading about it it sounds it's really delicious. great delicious and he did something really interesting with it with um having it with miso and then finally we had little tiny mango lassies which was spruced up with cardamom and um, saffron custard filled mini donuts. So uh, yeah, that was brilliant. So I definitely get to up visit. to York if you can. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. That was really interesting. Thank you for listening to the Olive Magazine podcast. Remember, if you want any more information on any of the things we've been talking about, you can head to olivemagazine.com. And don't forget our brilliant new August issue with the massive burger on the front cover is out now on the newsstands in all good supermarkets and newsagents, or you can download very simply via the Olive Magazine app. Don't forget to subscribe to us via Acast or iTunes. And if you'd be so kind, please review and rate us with five whole stars to make sure as many people as possible get to listen to us rambling on about our favourite food and drink around the world. Thank you for listening. Happy cooking. Safe travelling, please. And we'll see you next week. <laughs>